Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Good morning. Look, we we sound like human beings. We sound remotely human. Yes, indeed. See, I was going to be overly optimistic with that, but yeah. Well, you know, I'm downplaying it a little bit because we're only a few seconds in. We may still cough. Yeah, it'll be okay. You know, I, <laughs> it was it was so funny because um, last week, uh, I guess this would have been like the day before we did our podcast. Uh, this lady I work with started listening to my podcast, and then she was working from home on uh, last Tuesday. She's like. I'm listening to the pod, the podcast you do now with that lady. I love her voice. I'm like, oh, this is not the episode for you to listen to. But that's what oh, I was thinking. I don't think I said that. But that's sweet. That yeah. she likes my voice. Hello. Yes. Yes. Thank yes. you for liking my voice. <laughs> so Dana, there. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's um. So that was, and and that's kind of like the thing with podcasting that you. I don't know if we ever really forget, but it's a nice reminder that, you know, people do come in and listen to this for the first time and they have no idea what it is that we talk about or what we do, which is, which is a good thing. Cause I don't think sometimes, I don't think we really know either. So it's all good. No, I mean, cause let's be complete. We talking about a minute and a half before we started podcasting. Well, we were talking about uh, Neil's epic ass, which um, yes, we were. <laughs> we might instead of just mentioning, instead of just mentioning Neil, I think we're going to have to ask him how his ass is every week now, and um, he'll be. I think so too. I, I mean, it, it is epic. I'm going to give him that. It, it is an epic ass, um, both in human and in pitches like it, it you know it sizes up in person as well <laughs> yeah he's he's it's funny because every time i ask a question his response always has to do with with his ass so after this well being, because he used to cycle yeah yeah no he he's um and and i i shared this i shared it in my story half well 80% jokingly, because I'm like, all right, third or fourth time that you mentioned this, I'm going to put this out for everybody. Um, but, I, you know, I, I hope he gets some messages off of it. I hope that we've got, we've got a few listeners over there in the UK. So hopefully, hopefully he'll love uh, Are you trying to get him a girlfriend? I'm trying to get him, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to get him, but I'm just like, you know, right. what? <laughs> that's what you're trying to get him. <laughs> Oh, I do you know what I do you know when you just really adore somebody and you just wish that other people saw what you see? Yeah. I want the whole world to adore Neil the way that I adore Neil. So I want Neil to uh, I would like for him like because he shares all the, the stuff that he collects, like all the action figures and stuff, which I think he's he loves doing that. He um and he clearly has enough that he can, you know, fill his his page up with that kind of content. But like, he put. I I, I wish he would share more of the other stuff. Like, he shares like his, real yeah, life, like Neil. real life Neil. Like, we want to see real life Neil. Do Do you want to know about real life Neil? Real life Neil has um, a very big heart that doesn't like people to know it. Um, has questionable taste in politics. Um. <laughs> Is a fan of escape rooms yeah. and traveled three hours on a train to get to hang out with me. He is 
an awesome human being. So I feel like most, well, actually, I, I didn't know about the escape rooms. I feel like the other stuff that we have talked about, but here's what I, I want Neil to share that with people. However, I want Neil yeah. to share that too. And, you know, I know a lot of times we'll say, well, you, you know, on social media and, and you, you want to share only what you're comfortable with. Look, Neil, when you get him into conversations, pretty much comfortable sharing most things. So, so oh yeah, that- Neil will tell you where he stands oh, yeah. on anything. Yeah, yeah. So. To to the point where the other day I, I said to him, um, I need you to stop talking now. <laughs> oh gosh, here we go with the coughing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fan of Trump. I am not. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, started and I went, no, we're not we're we're not discussing this because I love you and we both disagree. So moving right along. <laughs> oh man so yeah it's uh so and what's funny is you know because we've talked about him before the first five minutes of this podcast he's just grinning right now but uh you got to follow through neil you got to tell everybody just just all the all the odds and ends and all the stuff that you uh that you do i still i still crack up about that picture of him on the trail with a uh with a bottle of whiskey that was that was when I was doing like a water, like a stop, drop, and chug, or for you it would be a stop, drop, yeah. and sip. Um, he responded with a bottle of booze, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, That's my guy. Yes. I um, actually, what I really want him to do now is to put a photo of that epic ass up on Instagram. Not bad because we don't want his Instagram <laughs> shut down, but you know, in bicycle shorts or something. There you go. You know, give the ladies and some of the gentlemen what they want, Neil. Okay. <laughs> Do it now. So there we yeah. go. We we're six we're six minutes in. We've pimped out our friend. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've we've called him out in a sense to be more public about what he does. And you put his his political views out there too. So there you go. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't put them all up. <coughs> just just true. one. That is true. So. Jeez, can you stop with I'm the coughing already? I'm trying. <laughs> oh, and, and you know, I was I was uh, chatting last night with our with our buddy Willie Gillis and um, working on his super secret podcast project that I believe you're going to be a part of as well. Uh, I don't know. He keeps asking me, and he keeps setting up, and then not following through. <laughs> so I'm a little bit. I don't want to say frightened. But I may be M. Yeah. That I'm not going to get to be a part You're, of it. I think he'll be a part of it. I think he will. Uh, I, I think he would absolutely make sure that you're you're included because I think what he's wanting to do, uh, you would be perfect for. So that's a little teaser. That, that's about as much as, as we can say because it, it is a secret project from what I understand. So there you go. I'm a secret schoolhouse business. What's that? Super super secret squirrels business. Yeah, oh my gosh! Yes. Oh my! I have not thought of super secret <laughs> squirrel in like twenty five years. That is oh my! God. You, you made my you literally made my day, and you could tell by like how I said that. Like I had not thought of. Oh, there wow. we go. We just end right here. <laughs> at, least, at least I made somebody's. I had a colleague today literally throw. A packet of crisps 
and a fun size, two fun size chocolate bars at me. Why? Um, because it was three thirty and I hadn't taken lunch yet. Oh yeah. And she's like, "Just eat something," and I'm like, "I will." But what people don't realize, right, is when you have a sleeve, if you use your sleeve properly. And you're not exercising ridiculous amounts because there are people that exercise. And when I say ridiculous amounts, I mean anything more than just walking to work, which is, you know, what I do. (laughs) If you're living a very active lifestyle, then yes, it's highly likely that you feel hunger. But if you're not, you don't, you don't feel hunger. Um, What you do feel is the urge to eat, but that's more about habit and addiction. Yeah, yeah. Right. And if I'm busy, I can quite literally go a whole day and not eat because my body's not telling me that I'm hungry. What my body will tell me is I will get nauseous at some point and my body and I'll go, oh, shit, I've forgotten to eat. You know, what's what's Um, what's funny about this? And you just tied this around hmm. to uh, this is a wonderful explanation. But you were hangry, weren't you? Today it was. <laughs> Which is why I, she threw the chocolate and crisps at you, right? I really, I actually <laughs> wasn't. I, I had literally been, my phone did not stop for the whole right. day. And I normally am that person that's like, how are you? Oh, you know, like I'll have a conversation with people that come into the office. And obviously I don't see clients anymore. Right. Um, but when they come in, I'll, I'll make friendly conversation. You know, it's all about, even, even though they're not seeing me, it's all about representing the company that I work for. And so I want them to have that really positive experience when they come through our doors. Today, I didn't have time. Right. I didn't have time. I literally didn't look up from my computer order. And she's throwing this food at me. And I'm like, she's like, eat something. And I'm, and for starters, I, I know that I was in a good place food-wise today because I looked at what she threw at me and thought, if I'm going to eat something, I'm not eating that, which was empty calories. I'd had nothing nutritious all day. I'd had nothing except for coffee and water all day. So I'm not going to make the first thing that I put into my body chocolate. I made it the second thing that I put into my body. But yeah. <laughs> I, um, I sat there and I had... You know, I had a snack that I'd packed myself, which was sort of some, you know, cheese. And um, and then I had one of the little chocolates. And then I put the rest of the food in my top drawer at work, which is in itself is an achievement. Because um, a lot of people talk about surgery being the easy way out. Now, I'm not going to lie to anybody, anybody listening that thinks that having weight loss surgery isn't the easy way out, who has had weight loss surgery... I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's a hell of a lot easier than doing it without surgery. Anyone who doesn't think that is kidding themselves. Um, Because it is. It is a hell of a lot easier than doing it without the surgery. Um, You know, I'm not criticizing anyone's reasons or choices for doing it because I did it. But But what it doesn't do is, yes, it does change your physicality. It doesn't change your mentality. And so I am still to this day a person that cannot stand to see food left on my plate. I grew up poor. That's like sacrilege. You would get kicked out of my family for that. And um, and so 
how I go about that generally is particularly when I'm doing my own servings, I make myself very small servings. Yes. But if, if somebody is giving you snack size things, I can't, you know, for me to put a packet of crisps and a chocolate bar back in my drawer and not eat them, that's an achievement. Because to me, it's food. It's there. It's going to waste. It's going to waste. Even though realistically with the additives that are in both of those products, they're never going to biodegrade ever. My head was still telling me, oh, my God, it's going to waste. It's going to waste. It's going to waste. And, and what I did was I told my head it was full of shit and closed the door. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, poor, poor, poor Logan, when we did our road trip in the States, yeah. because he has also grown up in that same sort of mindset of you can't leave food on the plate. Yeah. And he also does that thing where he gives himself smaller servings. But what he undervalued was how small my servings would be. And so he found himself eating his servings and then mine as well, whatever was left. And I'm like, and in the end, I just said to him, we're just getting doggy bags because this is ridiculous. And because I will be hungry in a couple of hours and it's not quite another meal time. And then I've got something to snack on. But yeah, so... Um, I just, I just had an absolutely chaotic, crazy day. I, um, I had gone to sleep last night with the mother of all migraines and I know that I have a migraine for, for a number of reasons. I used to think that they were just bad headaches until I got a migraine and then I realized the difference. Um, I don't get them very often. I maybe get one or two a year, um, I had absolutely no painkillers in my house. I literally, when I had my shoulder stuff, I had run out because I'd gone through so many when my shoulder was bad. What I did have was sleeping tablets. And I was like, oh, but if I take one, I'm never going to be able to get up for work in the morning. Um, And it got to the point where I couldn't bear to like, you know, I had Michael Sheen and David Tennant on my TV And I was just like, I can't even bear to look at them. Like the lights are hurting my eyes. And when you've got two sexy men up there like that and you can't look at them, shit be hurting, okay? Um, And so so what I did was I took one sleeping tablet. Normally I take two and it's like, see you next Tuesday. Um, I took one and then I went and had a freezing cold shower and just let the cold water run on my head. And what that did was let let it settle enough that I could fall asleep. Okay. And when I woke up this morning, I woke up super groggy because I'd taken a sleeping tablet and with a bad headache as opposed to a migraine. So it had downgraded. Right. Um, what I also woke up with was some very, very blonde bits in my hair because anybody that has brightly colored hair like mine knows you don't stand under running water and let it continuously rinse the color out of your hair. So I've just got some really, really blonde bits coming through now. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to be blonde. No, I don't. I don't want to be blonde. So I think this is the other part of this is Rachel telling you that she is a natural blonde for anybody that's wondered. Right. Um, and then, yeah, well, migraines, like it is, it is, shut everything down especially the lights and you're done i mean yeah they they are it's not just oh i have a headache it's i i used to get those i used to i used to get them i used to get them when i was a kid um and Mm. 
I don't get them nearly as much now. Um, but you know, partly because as soon as something starts to, I, I don't think, I think if I let them go to, you know, full blown to, if you let it progress, it would become a migraine. But I, I don't think, I think if I let it progress now, I don't think the headaches would be as bad as they were when Mm. I was a kid. Um, but then, you know, it's, um, but now like at the first sign of symptoms, I'm usually popping those, um, those, Excedrin tablets and that usually holds them off so but yeah they're they're not anything to mess with so well see with with me I um I so why did I get a migraine yesterday I got a migraine yesterday for a number of reasons one is that I had me a very big night on the weekend and then I didn't drink a lot of water. So not only did I have a lot of alcohol and dry my body out, but I didn't also supplement it. Then I had a really hot day in Sydney yesterday. I didn't drink any water at work. So I was dehydrated. Yeah. And then it was, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a woman. And, you know, during PMS, we tend to be more prone to, to migraines. Um, and so it was a combination of those two things, right. I think. And it just, by the time it hit, it was horrendous. Um, and I didn't see it coming. It was like, it, I spend a large amount of my time lately at work, very stressed. Yeah. And I'm actually okay with that. I enjoy it. It's a bit thrilling for me. It's like, oh, am I going to make it? Yes, I am. I can do this. <laughs> um, but but part of that, this, one of the side effects of that stress is that you always have that little bit of a tension headache, yeah. that tightening in your head. And so I didn't see it coming because I'd had that for like weeks. Um, I remember the first one that I ever got though. I uh, I was still at university. I was in my last year at university and I was teaching swimming. And I was literally in the middle of teaching a class and I'm like, geez, I've got a really bad headache. And then I'm, I'm in the middle of this leisure center and just the sound is like reverberating through my head. And I'm like, oh, I've got a really bad headache. And I called my boss over and I said to her, look, I've got a really bad headache. Can you find somebody else to finish the rest of my shift? And she's like, I'll see if I can, but if I can't, can you stick it out? And I said, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I can stick it out. And 10 minutes later, I thought my head was going to split open. I could not open my eyes, which is dangerous when you're a swimming teacher. Yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I had to call, I had to signal the lifeguard and say, you, you need to get my boss. And she came back and she just went, right, get out of the water. And she went and got changed and got in and did the rest of my shift because I couldn't. And they made someone drive me home. And I just remember getting home and, like closing every blind in the house and going to bed and just laying there and, and sobbing because I was in so much pain. And that was the day that I realized that any time that someone said that they had a migraine, that was how they felt. And before that, I just thought people were really weak and they were just having a bad headache and they were having a bit of a whinge about it. Right. It's one of those things that until you've experienced it, you just think, oh, surely it's not that bad. Right. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is that bad. It is that bad. Well, and of course, I have to cough again. (coughs) But so there's that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they when they when they come on, they come on, and everything else just just goes away. Um, but so you you have them how often now? You don't you don't get them? Maybe maybe once or twice a year. No, that's not bad. Yeah, no, not very often, and generally it's self-inflicted. I had them a lot the first year after I'd had surgery, and that's just normal because you, you're trying to I, – I think for me it was normal anyway because I was trying to work out hydration yeah. because what nobody ever tells you is that you get hydrated from your food as well as from your water, and when you take away one of those ingredients, it's like it's it's harder to maintain hydration. Um, but also because I was caring full-time, you know, I was working full-time, I was caring full-time. I really didn't have, I, I never had an off switch. And so my body was just so tense all the time. So I got quite a lot of them that first year. And then really one a year since. Maybe two. So you you actually hit on a couple of things about nutrition that is, I think, spot on, which is one, what you just said, that yeah, you don't really realize how much hydration you get from food, depending on the food that you're eating. Yep. Um, and then two, the whole thing about being raised to clear your plate and not wasting food. And, you know, you mm. said it, you said the the part of it of I consider this a victory, just throwing a little bit away. Um, it's a major victory because regardless of how you're, you know, what, plan you're you're following as far as eating food if you're not hungry you shouldn't be eating and if you have the wherewithal to just look at to like stop in the moment and say you know what i'm done and then throw the food away that's a victory and that's something that um because i mean most people i'd say i but if you're in the weight loss community you have that mindset of of you know you can't leave food on your plate um and it's almost like you check out when you're eating. Like you see the food in front of you, you check out, you start eating it, eating it until it's, and then you look down and it's gone and then you just throw it away and you move on with your day. So the fact that you're able to step back and look at it, I think that's huge. Um, but yeah, then also the hydration part. So you just work those in there and I wanted to call them out. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Friday night. Yes. I caught up with my band members. Oh, boy. Um, all three of us were a little bit anxious about catching up because all three of us are a bit more puffy than we were the last time we saw each other uh, um, in a get drunk setting. Um, and we were, in fact, so anxious that... Louise declared there was no Beyonce this time. There would be no Beyonce. She's like, I'm not even going to try to be Beyonce because I'm totally Michelle. (laughs) And I said, well, no, that doesn't count. It doesn't count that I get to be the Beyonce if you're surrendering. So none of us are Beyonce. Oh, boy. This is where your manager needs to step in. Where's he at? Right. Leighton, he was not there. We were devastated. He was not there to make the cocktails. We had some girl who looked at us like she did not like us, probably because they no longer make the cocktail that we originally ordered. So he kept ordering French martinis. Do you know how many times she has to shake a French martini? 37 times. (laughs) 
Do you know how we know? Because we can. How many did you order? Um. <laughs> um. I don't remember. There were a few rounds. We each bought three rounds. So it's that's nine, nine drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the um, bartender woke up the next day and had uh, some pretty sore forearms. So it's all good. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, I mean, she can thank us for her guns. She's welcome. <laughs> I, I mean, we were we were so inspired that when we went on the dance floor the first time, we were doing the French martini shake. <laughs> right, that was our new is dance. That where move. you shake yourself thirty-seven times? Is that what that is? <laughs> That's when you put your hands up like you're holding a martini shaker, oh. and you shake it, and then you swap sides and you shake it. Like a Polaroid picture, baby. Like a Polaroid picture. Yeah, yeah. But we, we had the absolute best time. Yeah. And and for someone that knows me, like you know me, I mean, my, my face was all done up, but I was really casual for me. So I'm a girl that likes to be girly and dress yes. up. And because I was feeling puffy, I wore jeans and a top. And so I was not, I was not feeling myself, as in, you know, feeling myself. And um, I have never been picked up so much in one night. And I said to Louise, I don't even get, like Louise even drew a ring on my finger. Um, And I said to her, I don't get it. And Sharon's like, do you want to know what it is? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, every woman here, except for the three of us, is here to pick up people. We're not here to pick up. We're literally, okay, okay, there was 100 people on the dance floor. They had about 10% of the dance floor and the three of us had 90% of the dance floor. That's how we were dancing. Like we were, we were the living embodiment of dance. Like nobody's watching, but everybody was watching because we were dancing like that. We were dancing in a way that, so in Australia, in, in a club or a pub, you have RSA marshals. So people that are, are monitoring that the club is not serving you alcohol if you're intoxicated. They were watching us before we'd even started drinking because of how we were dancing. <laughs> and because it was literally like, I'm, I'm telling you now, nobody has ever, oh, what a feeling, I'm dancing on the ceiling like we did. <laughs> it was 80s night, by the way. Oh, that's so and because we, <laughs> And because of that, because we were having so much fun, who doesn't want to be around that? And we, like, we literally, the first 15 minutes that we were together before we had a drink, the three of us all just had a big whinge and a blar about things that were going on in our life. And then boom, we just were in the moment, we were having fun. And, and it's literally that simple for us that we can laugh and drink and dance like and and when I say dance I mean really dance like put your arms up in the air and and nobody's watching nobody's caring nobody's anything and um just yeah just an amazing an amazing night a hilarious night and Oh God! I, I, like, and we, and we did the thing that we do every time we catch up, which is, oh my God, we're going to see each other before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I hope we do. Yeah. I really hope we do, um, because it's just it literally feels like Christmas, 
And and that's what it's supposed to be, right? Because I felt puffy until I got there. And then I just was me. And we were dancing and we were laughing and yeah. And I was actually just about to post pictures when you sent me through the link and I went, okay, photos yeah, can wait. Photos can wait. There you go. Um, so a couple questions. And this first one is totally just for me and my own curiosity. Were you doing the martini dance to dancing on the ceiling? No, we did the martini dance to summer of 69. Which is a, and, a, it is definitely an 80s throwback, but it's confusing because it's 80s talking about the 60s and Brian Adams. Yes, which is also, the girls love it. Yeah. It is their favorite song to dance with to me. Yeah. Because I always thought the first line in that song was, I had my first real sex dream. And it brought new meaning to the line, I played it till my fingers bled. And um, yes, the day that I got corrected on that was quite funny. Like, I was like, well, what the fuck is a six string? Oh, God. Like, a, um, a, a guitar? I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to cut you <laughs> off and finish why I asked you that. And Jesus, you made that freaking awkward. Um, when, when my son was four years old, he did a four-year-old dance to Dancing on the Ceiling, which was basically where he would, like, hold his hands over his head and do, like, crab hands. Um, so I thought it would be cool if you were doing your, you know, shaker song to, or dance to the same song that he did that dance to. Oh, then, now I want to do crab hands yeah. to Dancing on well, the Ceiling. Well, you're going to have to next time, and you'll have to take a video, and I'll actually have to I'll share it with him. Um, you, you know that song, A Thousand Miles by uh, The Proclaimers? Yes. You know, I would walk yeah. 500. Okay, so so that song, Sharon and I growing up, because obviously I've known Louise for th- three years, but I've known Sharon for t- <clears throat> um, 23, yeah. t- 23 yes. years. And, um, and so New Year's Eve, so Sharon is Scottish. And her parents are, like, very Scottish. They they are completely Glaswegian. All of their mates are from Scotland as well. And none of them have lost their accents because they're all around each other. You've not experienced New Year's until you've experienced New Year's with a whole bunch of drunken Scots <laughs> dancing to the Proclaimers. And they have their own dance, so much so that any time that song comes on, Sharon and I will automatically do that dance, right? We did it at her wedding. We do it every time it's on in a club. And, and like, to the point where I was out with somebody else and, I, and that song came on, I was dancing, and I couldn't understand why they were not doing the dance with me. And then I realised that's not an everyone thing. That's <laughs> just an us thing. Yeah. That's something that they that's do. Fun. Probably most of Sharon's friends growing up would know the dance. Yeah. But yeah, that's funny. <laughs> now I want to do crab dances while I'm dancing on the you're ceiling. Gonna, you're gonna have to. Well, and it was so funny when he was. <laughs> he would be in his little booster seat, and he would like at the at the <laughs> part of the song, he'd be like, "Bobby, Lionel Richie says we need to clap our hands," and he would start clapping. Um, no, yeah, yeah that's. Uh, Can we just address the fact that your human knew Lionel Richie's name? Oh yeah. He had, well, and then he had, because uh, that was part of what, that was always playing in the car when um, the 
the greatest hits collection of Lionel Richie was always playing in the car because we had the CD. Um, it was a little good. And then uh, so he knew Lionel Richie. He had a he had a uh, stuffed frog that was named Froggy Lionel Richie. Now this frog um, in really don't his, I know, but the characters that that uh, Max had in his room all had they all had names they all had personalities and Ly- and Froggy Lionel Richie was the one that kind of got caught up in the wrong cl- cl- wrong crowd and he actually wound up in the um, handcuffed in the closet so he apparently was he'd gotten thrown into jail for choices that he made so it was a really sad story but yes he knew. He knew who uh, he knew who Lionel Richie was. Now, um, the other thing, and I think this speaks to you guys when you went out the other night. I was listening to. I've been listening to the Dex Shepherd podcast. Uh, yeah, I've started listening to it too because you got me listening to Edward yeah. Norton, and now I just kind of listen. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what. Like, um, as I continue to think about like podcasting and stuff, I I like the way that he does stuff and i'm i he's totally going to be the podcaster that i'm kind like because people go on his show and like they can talk about anything and everything which is what you and i do every week but i'm like you know this is like i i like talking about health and fitness like it's one of the things that i know but i really i i really like when you know just when you have conversations and this is what you and i do but i was i was listening to it yesterday and they were talking about um Jason Momoa and um, how he is he's not just this gorgeous hunk of a man that a man that knows that he is but he also um, you know he just he has this really big personality so inside and out like it, it, he basically takes over the room and it sounds like that's what you guys were were doing just being yourselves the other night yeah yeah and I think I think that's who I am naturally, actually. Yeah. I think that I'm I am not a shrinking violet. <laughs> I would agree. I kind of always wanted to be. I kind of always wanted to be. Um, and I think I think it actually makes sense that people always think that they know me better than they do. Because people think that that's who I am. And that's not that's just one dimension right that's the that's the superficial version of who i am i mean it's fun but it's not just completely me but oh i love that he had froggy lionel richie yes yes i had a doll called patricia she did karate you you honestly think that you're going to sit here and say that that's not the real me, it's just part of me, but it's not the real me, and then we're going to transition right back into talking about Froggy Lionel Richie? Why not? <laughs> um, yes, I had a doll called Patricia. She did karate, yeah. which um, she was one of those dolls with a hard head and a yes. soft body. Yeah. And when I say she did karate, she basically just hit my sisters anytime they did something I didn't like. Um, with with her hard head, obviously. And anytime I got called out on it, I'd be like, it wasn't me, it's not my fault, Patricia does karate. And my mum's like, okay, well, if Patricia does karate one more time, 
Patricia's going in the garbage bin. Well, you know, you can't make a stubborn bitch stop doing karate if that's what she wants to do. (laughs) So Patricia went in the garbage bin. So the story with um, Stacy growing up had uh, Audrey was her her doll. And apparently they were at, I think, a car dealership. And Stacy was probably, I, I don't know four or five and told Audrey to uh to sit her ass down and uh <laughs> so yeah that was that was uh that, that was that story for her um, but she I think she's just bitter because she doesn't have Audrey I actually my sheepdog from when I was a little kid I still have him he's up in a closet here he made the move with us and I think my wife is just uh bitter because she doesn't have her stuffed animal anymore I still have Bunny. So Bunny was um, a a rabbit, obviously. Uh, (laughs) Bunny was given to my mum by, because my mum worked at a Catholic nursing home. My mum was a nurse. And she was given to my mum by the nuns at the nursing home before I was born. So Bunny was in my cot before I came home. My crib for Americans. Um, And... Bunny has traveled the world. <laughs> Bunny has been to more countries than most people. Yes. Bunny has been to America. Um, and to Europe. And to Britain. And to Dubai. And to New Zealand. Um, yes, Bunny has Bunny traveled the world. Passport. And Bunny is currently... Yeah, Bunny does need a passport. And Bunny is currently in the top of my wardrobe as well. So... They're always, they're always watching. They're always, always looking out. Um, so, and I think I've, I've, I feel like I've mentioned this before on here, but that bunnies have a special significance to Stacy because that was they, uh, her mom's nickname was Bunny, and I've, I've, yeah. I've told you what happened with her passing. But any time in life, yeah, any time in life that you know we're kind of that she's either been going through a struggle or we're working through something, like it'll be in the most random times like a bunny will appear in the yard or you'll see one run across the road and she um she knows that to be her mom watching out and letting her know that things will be okay so it's it's uh kind of mm, it's a reminder yes, it is i like that yeah. Are you ready to admit we're not as sick this week as we were last week we don't need a sponsorship from Dick's vapor rub this week no, I mean I am I am ready to admit that. Good. Mostly. <laughs> My nose is still a bit runny, but I haven't coughed yet, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> good, good, good. So this week, um I started or this weekend I started watching um the it's this mob show on Amazon Prime. I need to get the name it's I think it's called like Lords of the Mafia. And it is, uh, it's hosted by the guy that used to do Unsolved Mysteries. Did you watch that show? Robert Stack. The yes, are you? Oh, my God. Oh my... Go is he like a million now? How old uh, well, is he? He's got to be this, a million. This show is from, this show is from 1999. So. Is he dead that, then? That's what I'm, of course you know that's what I'm looking <laughs> to find out right now. Because <laughs> this is what we do. Like we we talk about people, and then we look. Uh, yeah, I think he's dead. And then we just hope that they're not dead. Yeah, yet. <laughs> and then we we just get 
we get all kinds of um oh my god well he died back in 2003 so <laughs> oh so he died four years after making the yeah, mafia show he did. He did, he did. that's kind of sad well i mean he would have been 100 this year oh see i wonder how he died is it an unsolved mystery <laughs> oh that's cold <laughs> thank you uh, I was proud of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I'd say, like I used to, when I used to see that show, Unsolved Mysteries, when I was a kid, like those, his voice and those those sets and scenes were just creepy. Like you don't have to. Oh yeah, they used to creep the yeah. hell out of me. Oh yeah, I... he's the reason why I will never go anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle. Oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that exact episode, and I remember. They did one episode yep. on an alien abduction, and it just it freaked me out. I was like, uh-huh. I want to go outside. No. Unsolved Mysteries is on Amazon Prime as it well. Is. I tried to watch it. I can't. Creeps the hell out of me. I, I told you that I got Amazon Prime because of the David Tennant, Michael Sheen show, right? You did. You did. <laughs> and this has been a year of I've growth. quite enjoyed it, though. Because you, didn't, you didn't even know Amazon this time a year ago. I still don't know Amazon, but I know what Amazon Prime okay, is. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, what was what was I going to say? Um, yeah, it's it's it has been a year of growth. Um, I think every year is a year of growth for me. Good. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? My um, I think career wise, it's been a very strong year for me, and I think. Self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's been a strong year. Yeah, you're, I'll tell you what, that's that's one thing, and we, we started this podcast a little bit over a year ago, and just kind of seeing where you, where you started and where you're at right now, yeah, I would say it's been a big year. It's been a lot of, of a lot of change, and, you know, the work thing, I mean, and you, it, it was a it was a big decision to even go for, go for the job. And then you just had to make the decision a couple of weeks ago on which path you were going to go. So yeah, you, you've had some big decisions to make. I made the right choice on the path that I was going, by the way, it's not been easy. It's just been a really shitty couple of weeks, but I made the right choice. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> no. So, as I'm sitting here, they talk about, we go from Robert Stack to, and then Wikipedia recommends Bruce Gordon, who looks a lot like Burt Reynolds, um, who's another actor that died in 2011. Okay, we're going to stop looking at these people on Wikipedia now. Um, but no, I mean, this has been... And now, where do you, what do you think about yearly goals and i know you know a lot of people are are planning what they're going to do in 2020 given the fact that the last year has worked itself out the way that it has i think there's a number of things where if somebody would have said to you a year ago rach this is what your life is going to be like in in 365 days i don't know if you would would expect a lot of this so what do you think no it's been a crazy year i i I think it's been a year of change Um, I I don't do resolutions per se. You and I have had this conversation before. 
I don't believe in resolutions because I think that resolutions, I, you know, re- resolutions are too resolute. It's like absolutism. It doesn't work for me. The only thing I'm absolute on is that I don't like absolute, you know, absolutism. Yeah. Um, well, this is actually, I this is actually like a little the bit. Things are interpreted. This is, a little, Sorry? this is a little bit different than a resolution because I don't believe in those either. I think they're too absolute. And too yeah. Um, but, I think or, I think when it comes to yeah. goal setting, I, I think goals are something that I professionally I have done with clients for, you know, 13 years. I think professionally speaking, I'm really good at helping people work out their yeah. goals. I'm not particularly good at, at sitting down and doing it for myself and I'm not particularly good at following the steps to do it. And, and I think the way that I have found that works for me is that rather than making particular goals, um, because I am incredibly self-critical. I know a lot of people think that I'm incredibly self-confident. I am also incredibly self-critical. I pick a word. I pick a word for the year and that's the word that I'm going to follow. And, and I never quite know how it's going to happen or what I'm going to do. And, and there have been years where I've picked words and gone, wow, you know, the, the year that I had my surgery, the year that um, I became a carer, my word for that year was hope. And it was literally the one thing that kept me going was that that's actually something I'm never short yeah. on. Uh, my word for 2019, I had to think about what year we were in just then. Um, my word for 2019 was free. Yes. And people were like, well, what do you mean by free? And I'm like, I'm just free. I wanted to be free from anyone else's expectations except for my own and, and even free from my own. And, and I, and I think, you know, a a word like free or a word like adventure is a bit of a cheat for somebody like me because I'm a traveler. (laughs) Um, so I was always going to have some level of freedom. And I think, I think in some ways I've absolutely hundred percent lived up to that word. And in some ways I haven't, but because it's not a goal, because it's not a resolution, because there is, you know, the, it, it's, it, it's, I, it's so, it's so funny ahead. in, yeah. It's not a stagnant right. thing. It is an ever evolving, ever changing thing. And and I think that's the that's the incredible thing that comes with picking a word is that you get to determine what that is, you know. And it's the same with goals. You get to you get to determine what your goals are. Um I it's so funny. I'm an all or nothing person in a lot of ways. But when I'm not when something when I when I believe that something is an all or nothing, I really believe it is an all or nothing. Does that make yes. sense? Um, you know, when it when it comes to loving, when it comes to caring, I'm all or nothing. I'm either completely in or completely um oh, what was the word that I used the other indifferent. I'm either, yeah, I'm either all in or indifferent. Um, 
but when it comes to to following my path and and you know it, something that I'm really trying to work on is to be less less self-critical and to be more in the moment um I am allowing myself the freedom to do those things by choosing a word and and so I I guess when it comes to resolutions goals words whatever it is that you pick I would say pick the thing that most allows you to prosper if you need goals if you need resolutions if you need words if you need a year off because you're so fucking sick of making the same goals every year resolutions I will say resolutions because I tend to think if you make goals and you set them out properly you tend to be more likely to achieve them if you don't set them out then they're not goals they're just wishes um I yeah I think you're just gonna you do you boo <laughs> well and with you here's you mentioned being so self-critical and I think mm-hmm. I think because that's that's where I, nothing it, it, when I say nothing was ever good enough I still remember when I was in middle school and I was like <laughs> I was uh, I was self-critical to the point and it started back like even back then and probably before like if I woke up that day and I was like okay uh, I'm not going to cuss today if if the word shit came into my head I'd be like oh you screwed up for today you can't even do this you can't even like like, I mean, it was, it was the littlest things that I would, uh, criticize myself for. And, um, that just got progressively worse as I got older. And then at some point, um, I just, I started to realize, you know, like, what is this getting me? And like, that's the logical side of this, which when you're self-critical, it's never about the logical side of things. But the reason I the, oh, like, no. the reason I bring that up is because something that I always say, and this this has to do with weight loss, this has to do with anything you're trying to accomplish in life, is I really, you know, I I think the the holding ourselves accountable and and being uh, and and calling us on our own shit is something that's you know I know a lot of our our folks in the community here have been talking about lately. That part I think actually comes easier. Um, I think the part that's harder but is more helpful is actually being able to um, to be compassionate for yourself and be as patient with yourself as you probably would be others. I think that's a huge, huge challenge, but I think it's ultimately the way to go. So when I make a, if I was to make the statement, I would say, you know, Rach, you, you know, you got to show a little bit more compassion to yourself. Now, you being somebody that is so self-critical. If I say something like that, how would you take it? How would you receive it? Honestly, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Daryl thinks that I'm a good person. I wouldn't, I wouldn't attach it to myself at all. Right. It would always be about you. It's, it's funny. It's like compliments. Compliments are for the other person. But in my mind, it, it never is. It's never a compliment. It's just somebody being nice, isn't it? Oh, look at that. They think I'm pretty. That's because they know me. You know, or, you know. Um, although it does depend because I really love 
I mean, everybody wants somebody to think they're sexy, but I really love when people think I'm funny or, yeah, it's funny. I, I can take compliments on being funny or being humorous or being clever. I can take compliments on those three things. I can't take a compliment on being kind or compassionate. You know, I was told by somebody the other day that I was the best person that they knew. And I felt so horrible because when they said that in my head, I thought, fuck, we need to introduce you to better people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's not normal. (laughs) you're supposed to just go oh my god that's so incredible and you know what I am a good person and that's why they're thinking that no my head goes fuck see (laughs) and the reason but see the and the the reason I ask this is because one it's not like you can just say something to someone and it might be a true statement but it doesn't mean like they're going to be able to process it and put it in to place and that and of course what this is making me think of in the moment is all the stuff in the weight loss thing industry where somebody oh 100 where somebody posted like well you just need to do this or even when people are critical of themselves here's my all-time favorite well i know what to do i just need to do it there's a disconnect there's a disconnect between how you handle things with yourself and taking that i mean if if life was about logic We'd all probably we'd all be in, in much better places in all different areas, but it's not about that at all. So that's, go ahead. I'm, yeah, yeah. No, I I would agree. It's kind of like when you see these women going on and on and on about all of their flaws and how awful they are and how fat they are, and we'll say hypothetically they're a size twelve, and they can tell every other woman that they meet that's a size twelve how incredible that they look, and they mean it. They really do think that other woman looks incredible but they can't reflect that back on themselves. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, self, self-awareness is, is, is a tricky thing because I, I am, I am self-critical, but I'm also um, self-aware and, and realistic. Right. And, and I know that I have strengths and I know that I am, lacking in certain areas and I know that I exceed in others but it's that gray zone of all the things in the middle that I can't take I can't take someone thinking yeah I guess it's the the problem with other people's opinions of you is that pardon me sorry they really should be none of your business um because yeah i I mean it it really should come down to how you feel about you and whether you like enough about you um i i i think the painful thing about self-awareness is that you you know, you look at you look at somebody like me, you look at what I've done for the majority of my career, and I've worked with people who have destructive behaviors. And I have helped them. Um, I'd like to think I've helped them. I'd, I'd like to think that I've helped them overcome and create coping mechanisms and all of these things. But what it also does is is to make a red flashing light in your in your face 
of all of the, <laughs> the destructive behaviors you have. Right. Um, which I and 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 it goes the other way too. I I think it's funny, right? So here's the thing. I think I think a lot of people like to put dirt on Americans, right? You guys are kind of like you know you're the soccer ball in the human kicking game, um, right? It's just kind of fun. But what people won't tell you about Americans is that you guys are really it sounds, you know, and it might not sound accurate to you, but you guys are really optimistic and you're really quite, um, you know, you really do believe, believe as, as a culture, you, you really do have that the sun will come out tomorrow sort of thing <laughs> um, to, to the point where sometimes it's almost arrogant or obnoxious, you know, and then you have the British that are so self-deprecating <laughs> that, um, you know, it's, the other extreme and then you have the Australians where we're just trying to work out how to formulate a sentence um it's sort of you know it's it's one of the (coughs) it's one of those things and and I was actually I think we need more of this right (laughs) right um I, I was actually having conversation with someone today about um about character traits that I find really difficult to work with. So if you were somebody who is quite self-aware and quite self-critical, what kind of personality traits do you think you would have difficulty working with? Probably somebody that is oblivious and, um, and just obnoxious. Right. So um, over here, we would call that fig jam. Do you guys have we fig do not. jam? We do not. So, so fig jam is an acronym. Fuck, I'm good. Just ask me. Yeah. Right? Did you? Know, oh, oh, did you? Did did you stop that? You know, did you stop that old lady from getting hit by the car? Oh my god, I stopped it with everything and da 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 because that's just who I am. That's who I am. I'm that person. I'm going to be the hero of every story. I have no flaws. I'm going to tell you how miraculous and wonderful you are. I am. Not how wonderful you are. It doesn't matter how many wonderful things you do. The story is going to be all about how wonderful I am. <laughs> and I just, I have such a low tolerance for it. I... And, um, Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> You can you can see yeah. me. You can see me oh, having yeah. a low tolerance oh, yeah. for that, right? Um, and I and I have reached the point today uh, where I, I I spend quite a lot of days surrounded by somebody who is big gem, and um, I reached the point today where literally all I was saying was, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, uh huh, mm, yeah." And in my head going, oh, God, I just need to go home. I need to go home. I've got a headache. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm, it's shark week. I'm, you know, I'm, I just need to go home. And it's... You just barked. <laughs> right? I literally did. Because yeah. they're just... And, and it's so... <clears throat> yeah. You know, and it's funny because I can handle... I could... <laughs> I could handle... Someone like Ian Thorpe or Michael Phelps, I'll use an American reference out there, telling me that my swimming style needs some work. (laughs) 
But what I'm not going to do is, is, you know, somebody who's never even been in the water, somebody who wouldn't know how to swim telling me that, I, you know, they are a far superior swimmer to me. And I just stand there and I'm like, mm-hmm. Keep telling me your bullshit. Yeah. Um, I, I really... Normally I have a level of me that finds it uh, amusing. Yes. But I find a total lack of humility um, really, really annoying. And, and, even, like, and even as I'm saying this, because I'm not in the same headspace that I was in for the majority of the today, yeah. part of me is actually really sad. Because when someone's like that, at least part of it is bravado. At least part of it is self-esteem that they are literally making up for, for lack of self-esteem by over-exaggerating yeah. their self-esteem. But at the same time, I stand there occasionally thinking, I wish I had something heavy to throw at your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, when you see this, it is a, it, it is, it, it's the fact that they're lacking something is glaring and that they are very, very, they lack confidence. They, and, and the, the ironic thing is those people, it's really not ironic, I guess, when you think about it, but like, it's okay. We can say things are ironic that aren't ironic. Alanis Morissette made a shitload of money out of a song that yes. wasn't ironic in the yes, least. Yes, yes. Um, weaving the nostalgia pop culture in like you do. We haven't done as much of that this week, but nice job. 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife is not ironic. It's just really bad cutlery planning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, they, they don't have the confidence and usually they don't even have the skill set that they're, claiming to have and it's it's funny whenever you tell a story and somebody's like well yeah but i did this or i've got this or you know you should do this and it's like just stop stop trying to fill silence with your voice and telling us how great stop trying to fill noise with your voice that's what this person was there's already noise i do not need their stop trying to tell people how great you are at something that you're probably not even average at and stop trying to make yourself feel better about your your own because that's <laughs> what it to, is. I have to tell you a pop culture reference. Um, so so in Australia we have a um, very talented Australian comedian called Chris Lilly, um, who likes to push borderlines between appropriate and okay. not. And um, and he's done several TV shows and created characters around these TV shows. And one of the characters that he's created uh, is a teenage girl called Jamee, um, which is actually spelled like Jamie, but she's that into herself that she calls herself Jamee. And um, and she's that person that tells everybody how hot she is and how amazing she is. And and um, and she calls people quiche. Right, so if you're quiche, that means you're hot, <laughs> <laughs> right? And um, and she has a fight with one of her friends, and her friends like, you tell everybody how quiche you are, Jamee, but you're not even that quiche. And so <laughs> when you were saying that in my head, I'm like, you're not even that quiche. Jeez. That's funny. <laughs> it's a very funny, funny show. It's called um, Private School Girl, Jamee, Private School Girl. <laughs> he plays va- he plays vapid teenager for 
perfectly. She's like he just makes it. You forget that it's a man playing this character. Really, because typically when you but... when you <laughs> see characters like that, it's very pronounced that it's a man. So that's. Yeah, no, even to the point where, like, and everything is dramatic. You know, you know, like when you're a teenager and everything feels like the end of the world. Yes. Right? This show is literally everything is the end of the world. And so, like, someone's like, you don't even have tits. Well, I don't even have tits because I had an eating disorder when I was 14. Jeez. I'll I'll try and find you a clip. It's just um, God, I wish I could find the quiche thing. Call yourself quiche, but you're not even that quiche. Oh, I'm sure you'll like... be able to find it. <laughs> no, Dude, you needed this laugh. <laughs> the day you had, are you kidding? Right. Yeah. No, that's good. Right, with all the fig jam, doesn't even go that good on toast. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny. I don't, I don't know that we call it fig jam over here, but I definitely know those types of people. So, well, and that's and and it's funny because when when podcasting, I don't like, especially if somebody's coming on to share their story. Now, you and I, you know, we're just having a conversation back and forth, so it's a little bit different at this point. But I don't like interjecting my own personal experiences when somebody else is telling their story kind of for that reason i don't want to be that person that's like yeah well let me tell you about me like it's just yeah not into that yeah i am i look i think that there are i think that there are people that tell you about them and they tell you about them in an amazing way um I watched an incredible documentary about a South African woman who was the victim of a very malicious crime. And she is now a, um, what do they call them? Inspiration, motivational speaker. And I think she talks about resilience and, and, but it's not in a, wow, I'm so amazing because I conquered Mm. this. She puts it in a, anything can be accomplished with the right tools sort of way. And I, and you know, to me that I'm happy to hear someone talk about that, by the way, I just sent you a link to, um, to a clip of Jamee talking about being quiche. Um, you can see what I mean about Jamee, Jamie. And, um, yeah. And I think, I think there are ways to do it. And I think if we go back to, we're, we're going to do a full loop yes. here. To me saying that person that walks into the room, that's very vivacious, that, you know, that's, that's not me. You know, that, that's an aspect of me. And it, it, I think the more you get to know me, you realize that that's an aspect of me as opposed to me. Yeah. And and people who are like, you're the most vivacious, outgoing person I've ever met. I'm really not. It's just showing how much of me you know. Because the greatest compliment I ever got was having a lecturer at university tell me that I was a deep thinker and nobody would have ever thought that. And it's, you know... <sighs> 
yeah i i think perception is a funny thing and um yeah it comes back down to that whole real let's be real right so this is me being real right now yes as far as daughters go i'm i could be better (laughs) as far as sisters go i could be better as far as aunties go, I think I'm pretty damn good, but I could be better. Um, I think that, you know, as far as relationships go, I think that I am a very loyal and understanding partner, but I become self-sacrificing to the point of resentment. Yeah. So I could be better. I think... The problem is, is that we seek success in perfection. And that doesn't exist. Perfection doesn't exist because the most amazing moments of my life were moments that were really not even perfect at all because we determine amazing by happiness or contentment. But sometimes the most amazing thing that can happen to you is something that promotes change. Sometimes an amazing thing is a really hard thing to live through. But that's the moments when you work out who you are and what you have and how it really doesn't matter what other people's opinions of you are because they don't have to be you. You have to be you. And, yeah, I I think... I think it's really I think it's really important to realize that we don't just have to be one thing. I um in my self-righteousness um which I'm also very self-aware about <laughs> is I I always absolutely 100% refuse to be called somebody's other half. And I refuse to call someone my other half. And the reason for that is because I was always self-righteous and I was always a whole person without them. I will be a whole person with them, whatever, you know. Um, But no one person is one thing. We are not just, you know, I'm not just a wife or a daughter or a sister or an auntie or a girlfriend or a best friend or an incredibly, incredibly, you know, fun dancer. I I am everything, you know, and I am, you know, I am all of those things or or none of those things. It's, people are complicated and we try so hard to simplify things. Like I'm just going to put all of my focus into one part of my life. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can move focus, but you can't put everything into one thing. And I think that's sort of, comes back to what we were talking about with resolutions versus goals um when i'm setting goals with um clients and i'm sure that you're probably the same i i think um you know the things that they teach you when you're learning how to set goals for people or how to help people set their own goals because i would never presume to know enough about someone's life to want to set their goals for them um is that they have to be smart. They have to be specific. They have to be measurable. They have to be achievable. 
you know, we need to have time frames on these things. And so I always made short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. So a short-term goal is something that's achievable within the next six weeks. A mid-term goal is within the next six months and a long-term goal is within the next 12 months. Because, yeah, I really, really want to be able to fit in an aeroplane seat comfortably at the end of the 12 months. But I'm so far from being able to do that right now that, you know, how the hell am I, you know, no, no, it's so far away that I can't even begin to focus on it. And so we break it down. Um, We turn big, hairy, audacious goals into small, measurable, achievable ones. And, and yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, yeah, I just went on a tangent. Sorry about that. and, And let's talk about the goals because I know, um, I, I think the one thing that miss, that's missing from the SMART framework um, is that the way I look at goals, it's, it's, it's the same. I mean, it's, it's the same finish line, but I kind of look at it as um, one of the best uh, quarterbacks in American football was Peyton Manning. And what made Peyton Manning great was he had the same goals that any other quarterback had, but he could more than anyone else come up to uh, – to the line before the play would start, he would look at what's coming at him and he would adjust the game plan on the fly. He would basically, he would call the game from the the situation at hand. He wouldn't even have to leave the field. He wouldn't even really have to consult his coaches. He just, he was so, he, he would look at the situation that he was in. He would make the adjustments and he would, you know, work towards and get his goal. And that's what I think. I, I think when you, when you look at goals strictly through the smart framework, I think it almost we leave out flexibility. Yeah. It almost, it, it almost becomes like it's in a, it's almost like a lab setting. Like you're almost going to be able to take at least that part of your life and really focus on that particular goal. And there's too many, there's too many variables. And I think, especially when you're somebody that, has part of it is partly self-critical, which I think is a lot of us, you know, your, your motivation and your drive and your ability to achieve goals has to come from within. But if you have something that's very, very rigid, your it's a very, you can either go one of two directions and probably veer off a little bit of both. You can either look at this situation and say, Oh, you know, I should be doing better than this. I, I can't believe this isn't going the way that I wanted to, to be and you're being very self-critical or you can look at it give yourself a little bit more grace and actually trust in the ability that you have to make the the choices that you're going to make in the moment now you know all of those choices and and this is i mean a lot of this in this particular in our conversations will come back to health and fitness but it's any kind of goal setting you're making choices about your actions all the time and i think the key is yes you have that flexibility so it's not as rigid but you also know that, you know, you're going to be making a choice. Some of those choices are going to work out better than, than, you know, you think some of them aren't going to work out as well as you think. And some of them are just going to be quote unquote, good choices, bad choices in the moment. Like in the Peyton Manning example, like there are times that he saw a play at at the line of scrimmage and he threw it one way and they were ready for it. And they intercepted the pass that happens, but you just, you end up, looking at the choice you made and you move on. 
So that's, that's always been my one thing on the smart goals. The other thing is I think if you know your capabilities, kind of like where you're starting from and you can kind of rig the system and from a goal setting standpoint, the fitness stuff, once you get into it can be pretty straightforward. So like, if you know that, um, if you know your walk to work is takes you 20 minutes. So then you say, well, you know what I'm going to do for my activity is I'm going to do at least 15 minutes of activity a day. You work five days a week. I'm going to do that at least four days this week. So what happens is, is you do your, your, you know, you walk to work and you've already exceeded your minimum expectation. Well, what ends up happening is, is you start to feel more competent. You start to feel more capable in, in this particular area of your life and you start going above and beyond. And the thing with the smart goals and when you put the time bound part to it, um, it's, it's, you will start feeling like you're chasing goals because you're chasing that defined goal at the end. You're chasing that time uh, limit that's, or that, that end date that's been put on it. So I know the, I mean, I know the logic behind the smart goals. I think that there's some, at least when I set goals for myself and when I'm working with clients on theirs, I try to really build in the, the flexibility and give them, I guess you would even say the permission to make choices. And it's not even so much, it's not even as much about how those choices work out. It's being able to look at the information that all this stuff is giving you and making the adjustments that you need to make to move forward. What does the R stand for in smart goals? Um, let's see. I never remember what the R stands for because I think we could incorporate your flexibility into smart goals and turn the R into reflective so that we're reflecting on where we're at Let's and how and whether or not we need to. Are so it's relevant. Specific measure. Your goal is relevant, relevant to the company's yeah. vision. Okay. Or to your vision. Or to your vision. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to hear something incredibly impressive? Of course. I knew who Peyton Manning was. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Considering I'm coming last in fantasy football right now, I I know who Peyton Manning is. And do you know how I know that? From the pizza Because, you know. No, I, no, because we don't get those pizza commercials. I mean, obviously, I know Peyton Manning because he held at one stage the NFL record for passing yes. touchdowns in a single yes. season and has since been surpassed by Tom Brady. But, um... I knew him because he was on a show called um, The Girls Next Door, The Girls of the Playboy Mansion, because one of the girls was obsessed with football. And um, he was at a party at Hugh Hefner's house, and she like the whole party was about her trying to get Peyton oh, Manning funny. to sit with them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I know who Peyton Manning yeah. is, right? Use all these fancy schmancy words on me. I know who he is, <laughs> right? very successful if you want to know something he he became the um you know he became the goal setter for the um you know passes in a season by surpassing brett Favre. are you who i also know are you reading this off of wikipedia i read that bit off wikipedia but i know who you call it you call it is yeah well you calling brett Favre. Brett Favre was the dead giveaway on that, by the way. <laughs> What's his Brett actual Favre. name? Okay, so I know who he is. Do you know how I know who how he is? How do you is? know who he is? Because he was in this something about yes, Mary. Yes, he was. 
<laughs> Brett Favre. Yes. I'm in town playing the Dolphins, you jackass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, Mary, I'll always be true to you. And then she dumps yeah. him. I thought you were going to... Oh, no, no. You know why I called him Brett Favre? Because that's what Ben Stiller says. Oh, that's right. I thought you were going going to pick Brett Favre. Yeah. That's Ruff. right. And she's like, what did I tell you? I'm a Niners fan. And I laughed, even though I didn't get it. Because yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't know anything about American football. But it's funny, because I wanted that haircut. And, um, and you know, who doesn't want to look like Cameron Diaz? Um, so, yes. So, I just thought you would be really impressed. And I know who Tom Brady is, because he's such an incredible athlete. Um, no. I know who Tom Brady is for two reasons. One of which is he's married to, like, Giselle Bunchen, who is just hot stuff. Yeah. Um, but the second reason is because, because in the movie, um, Ted, um, or is it Ted too? They become obsessed with his, uh, with obtaining Tom Brady's sperm to help them have a baby. I did not watch either of the Ted movies. I saw the preview for the first one and I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I'm not watching this. That's funny. I mean, the best part about the first movie is um, the Thunder Buddy song, uh, <laughs> which is, is worthwhile if you get a chance. YouTube the Thunder Buddy song. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I like... I think Seth MacFarlane is extremely talented. Yes, I, I don't always want to watch his stuff. It's not always my comedy. And, and that's because... Um, you know, this comes back to different styles of, I think you and I had a conversation once about different styles mm-hmm. of comedy. And, and I think British comedy is very subtle and I very much like British comedy. And I think a lot of American comedy is very obvious. It doesn't make it less comical. It's just um, some, I, I've got to be in the mood for it. Yeah. It's a lot. You know, to sometimes I'm going to laugh. Yeah. You know, sometimes going to laugh at everything on, you know, on Everybody Loves Raymond. And sometimes I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Well, and we've gotten to the point because, I mean, that's the thing Netflix has now is a lot of comedy specials. And there's a lot of them that I'll watch, the American comics. And we'll, Stacey and I will have it on for look at each other and be like, yeah, it's too much. So and we just turn it off for that reason. And it's funny because it can be the same yes. comic that has several specials. So I watched an Amy Schumer yes. one. And... Um, the one that she did when she was pregnant yes. and it was hilarious. I loved it. I watched the whole yeah. thing. I tried to watch one of her other ones and I was like, no, <laughs> two minutes in. No. Um, I do watch a lot of stand up comedy. I watch a lot of stand up comedy live. Um, and I have friends that work within the comedy business. Um, and so, you know, I, I do watch a lot of, I, I like people that try to push the yes. envelope. Um, yeah. You know, I I can enjoy, and there are some things that I can enjoy for five minutes, and I can enjoy is other things for an hour. So Adam Hills is an Australian comic that is very popular, yes. but for a long time, it took him a long time to become you know famous. I used air quotes yes. on famous, and and I think part of that is because he's he was actually always the nice comic, yeah. you know. And it's like I remember hearing a comedian say. It was very, very rare to find a woman that was funny without being dirty. And and when you look at a lot of female comics, 
the ones that are very successful are generally yeah. kind of filthy. Yeah. Um, you know, and then but then you look at these comic geniuses, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, you know, uh, Maya Rudolph, these women that have done amazing things, and, and you know, and SNL is very good at, at pumping out these very, very talented um, American comedians. Um, well, I mean, they're successful before they get there, but you know yeah. what I mean. Um, see, that, that I find funny, that I find clever. I, you know, yeah. So it's, it's, so uh, with the female, with the female comics, comedians, it's typically yep. either they have to be over the top or uh, they can, there are some that are, witty and i don't it's sophisticated i think witty i don't think it's necessarily well maybe it's a little bit more sophisticated as far as as the content and the delivery but yeah there there are some but yeah i i agree with you i think for a, a long time um the ones that stood out were the ones that were very over the top i think of like back in the 80s like here elaine, like, elaine yeah. was one of them um so yeah. but yeah whoopi whoopi goldberg yes. Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg in her comedy and her stand-up is just filth. Yeah, she was back in the day. She was just pure filth. Um, actually, I don't know whether it's on Netflix over there. I feel like it is. Um, if it is, uh, Hannah Gadsby, Nanette. Um, so Hannah Gadsby is an Australian stand-up comedian, um, and Nanette was actually. <laughs> her show that she did when she was going to quit comedy. And the reason that she was going to quit comedy was because she was sick of lying all the time because it's not funny to tell you a whole story. I can only tell you a snippet because if I tell you the whole story, I have to tell you, you know, whether or not something impacted me in a negative way or, and, and basically she, she got on stage and she very raw and very real told her story, how she came to be in comedy, how she, came out how she lived her life in Tasmania, which was um, the last state in Australia uh, that had homosexuality as being illegal. You know, basically you could go to jail for, for loving someone of the same gender. And she talked about that and she told her stories and she told, you know, she'd tell you it, you'd laugh. And then she'd tell you again and she'd tell you the whole thing. And and I really, like, it just, I remember watching it. I was crying. I watched it with Chris and Chris was crying. There were moments when you're crying laughing and there are moments when you're just crying because it is very, you know, we want to talk real. It's real. It's very raw and very real. And she 100% was going to quit comedy. And then the whole world watched this show and all of a sudden she's on, um, you know, Conan and she's on Seth Meyers and she's on all, like, you know, the Americans all came yeah. calling because it came out not even intentionally by her. It came out about the same time as Me Too started. Uh. And it was the right thing at the right time. And they're like, are you still quitting comedy? She's like, well, I was going to, but now I'm making money. <laughs> so now so. I'm going to stick with it. So maybe not, um, but she's very talented, very ta And I've loved, I've, I've loved Hannah for years. I, 
watched her do a show that she did called Kiss Me Quick, I'm Full of Jubes. And in it, she describes a scene when she was a kid and she accidentally rode her bike through a plate glass window. And I have never laughed so hard in my entire life. I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. It was just the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And um, and I'd loved her through that. And then she was on an Australian show. Um, I don't want to use a sitco- the word sitcom because I think sitcom sort of, you know, makes you think of friends and a laugh track and all those sorts right. of things. Um, Australian sitcoms are not like that. Um she was on a show um, called Please Like Me and um, she played uh, – so, so the main character is a guy who gets dumped by his girlfriend because his girlfriend's like, well, you're gay. And he didn't realise until she told him that he was right. gay. And, um, and then he realises. So it becomes this whole thing about him exploring this. And, um, and it's his friends and his life. And his mother has bipolar. And um, and just FYI for anyone out there that's ever cared for someone with a significant mental illness, this is a show that accurately depicts what it's like being on that roller coaster without a seatbelt yeah. um, for both the person caring for them, but also the person that has has the mental illness. It shows you both sides. It's um, very honest, yeah. um, very very funny because you know that's something that people don't tell you when you're caring for somebody with a significant mental illness that you know there are times when you literally think you would rather die than live the life that you're living and then there are moments when you're trying to convince someone that no they can't be a professional skateboarder considering they've never ridden a skateboard <laughs> uh, right right and, and there are some moments that are absolutely hilarious and and this show is very good at showing that at showing both sides of it but Hannah Gadsby in the show plays the character who has uh, severe chronic depression and she just, she meets the, the main character's mother in the, in the uh, mental health ward. That's how they sort of become friends. And, and the mother is manic yeah. and Hannah is just this very downtrodden, dead, like deadpan straight character. And um, the delivery is hilarious, but very subtle. And um, yeah. And so, so it's very smart. I mean, it's a smart comedy basically. It is very smart comedy, yes. It is. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I I respect her. And um, and I think, um, I know that we sort of hit our point, uh, like our point of we're at 90 minutes. I have done a lot of thinking. Uh, so yesterday was the eight-year anniversary of uh, my nan passing away. She was not my nan. By the way, she was my best friend's mm-hmm. nan, um, who for all intensive purposes was the, the only grandmother I've really ever had. Um, and this was a woman who, after her children were raised, went, well, I think I'm going to go live in Australia. <laughs> and just picked up and moved to a country where she didn't know anybody because, yeah. you know, why yeah. not? And she was stubborn as hell and she was funny and she was vivacious and she was complicated because that is what people are we are multi-dimensional we are not just one thing and 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 so i guess i wanted to ask yeah. you about her because I, I did see the picture yesterday on instagram 
Oh yeah, and I turn off comments because I, I don't want and anyone's. I, I was wanting. I, I was actually wanting to ask you about that because yes, I did see where you turned off the comments, and I, I saw the. Um, I, I saw. Because I don't need the ice cream cone. What's that? I don't need the ice cream cone. Here's something sweet, just because I don't need yes. that. You know, pe- people that really, you know, pe- people can like a picture. But me posting that picture isn't about them. It's about me. Um, and I think the people that the people that know you well know whether or not you need them to send you a message about it. And I didn't. I didn't need anybody to. I was not grieving. I was celebrating. So, you know. No, that's, that's what it looked like. And, yeah, you, you don't – you didn't need any of those, you know. Sorry for your thought. <laughs> it's, you know, time doesn't heal all wounds and all this. So – no, no, it's, it's, you know, it's the, some, some people need the Facebook happy birthday and some people don't. Facebook has ruined the happy birthday. Right. So at this point, yeah, it's like, you know, and I, it, it's funny. Cause I think we get to this point where we're like, I don't want to wish them a happy birthday. Cause it's like, they know that I wouldn't know it's their birthday without Facebook. And when you get into that situation, Sometimes it's best just to let it be. I mean, it's really helpful because I've got so many bloody nephews and nieces. <laughs> well, yeah. If it's family, if it's, family it's helpful. I, it's, but then... Well, yeah, but it's also just... You know, you can buy birthday cards now that say uh, to somebody whose birthday I would not know if it was not for right. Facebook. You know, it's it's kind of like... It's kind of like when, you know, you invite everybody that you know to your birthday party. You know those people, those people that have to tell everybody that they know somebody. I, I'm, I'm going to give you a real yeah. example. There was a person on Instagram yes. that I met in a public place, unintentionally. I thought that I actually knew them, um, and they're like, "Oh no, we don't know each other." And I'm like, "Oh," and, and they're like, "But I follow you on Instagram." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I was, you know, I was talking, and you know, they were telling me about how they always watched my stories. And Michael, like, oh, thank you yeah. so much. And they they were not interested in conversation they did not want to converse with me they didn't want to get to know me they didn't want to no I got very flatly turned down (laughs) but imagine my surprise when for the next five weeks you know I heard from this person and this person this oh you know your friend whoever and I'm thinking I don't have a friend by that name And it was this person, this person that didn't want to get to know me, but wanted people to think that she did. And, and I guess, and, and, and I guess that is my self-righteousness coming out. I don't need an ice cream cone. I don't need people to tell me that my life is wonderful because I know whether or not it is. I don't need people to wish me a happy birthday because the people that matter will, or the people that matter will go three days later, fuck, I forgot your birthday. I love you. Right. You know, either way, it's genuine. Um, I didn't need empathy or sympathy yesterday. I just needed, you know, I needed to remind myself that women are complicated and that is what makes us wonderful because otherwise we would be the same as we were in the 16th century where we were just hoping to find a good match and settle down. We are evolving 
you know um you know men men are evolving too darling but but women more so every generation of women has more rights and recognitions than the one before and I love that I love that and I love that I get to be part of that and um and then I get to choose I get to choose whether or not I want to be a wife and a mother and stay home with my children or work or you know what I mean um I love the complications even though when I'm suffering from PMS I feel like oh my god I just want to just I just want to cry all the time and I don't know why I'm so sad this is where I would throw this is where I I would throw chocolate and crisps at you right (laughs) and tell you to drink some water good lord I heard that I think my eyes about popped out of my head Oh, but do you know what? I was so good with it today, though. Good. I drank so much water today. I'm got, like, I'm yeah. I'm generally really good. It it was literally just that I got so drunk, yeah. and then I had a weekend where I was socializing more than normal. And you don't tend to yeah. drink water you when it. you're socializing, you do you? You know, you have you have soft drink or soda or um coffee, um, which is a dehydrant as right. well. <laughs> so yeah, um. So, question-wise, what do we want to ask this week? Hmm. So, here's what here's what I was thinking. As you were talking a couple minutes ago about, you know, the people that matter will reach out to you. And I think what we're hmm. going to do is we're going to put out a challenge to somebody you haven't talked to in a while, social media or not. Just send them a message. Mm-hmm don't have to make it anything grand you don't have to post about it in your story just tell them you're thinking about them check in on them because we all have we all have people that i think if we sat there for a few moments we were like "Ooh, i need to check in with that person and i mean you you even said that when you went out with with your um with sharon and louise the other night like you guys feel like you should get together more so there's never enough time and we all get busy so just just check in on somebody that you haven't checked in on in a while. Done. There we go. All right. Well, I, I think this week uh, we, we definitely rebounded. What do you think? I think a hundred percent we're back. I just like, I, somebody asked me about last week and maybe Neil, I feel like it's usually Neil. And he's like, how did it go? And I'm like, Oh, don't even ask. <laughs> And he's like, and, and it's, but it's a running joke because I'll always say, oh, I don't know if I was any good. Yeah. And, um, and, and he's always like, you're always great. Wait, no, it was bad. Even Daryl yeah, we, we, we were just, we were both kind of <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's not our best one. But we'll I didn't, better. I didn't listen. I, you know how normally I listen back to make sure we haven't covered anything, you know, like I try to keep things as fresh as possible. I didn't listen. Because I knew that there was no. Oh, I don't even see. I never listen. I, I can't. It gets I back yeah, to that whole I always thing do. Of like, I, I don't like hearing the sound of my voice, and that's how I put out as many podcasts as I do. I never listen back. See, I'm okay with my voice huh? as long as I don't have to see my stomach at the same time. <laughs> On that note, guys, we're right. gonna head off for this week. But yeah, go out, reach out to somebody, let them know, and um, you and I again next week and probably sooner just to uh, see what's going on with everything yes and um, thank you very much Mr. Perry 
And Neil, make sure you post a picture of that ass. Give the ladies what they want. <laughs> and I will talk to you next week, my Sounds friend. Good. Talk to you then. Take care, darling. Bye.